Welcome to the Blank Bus Podcast, a weekly conversation on the biggest stories in politics from two friends who come from opposite sides of the aisle. I'm Erin McCall, founder of Blank Buzz, a political marketing firm that seeks to empower campaigns and politicians by connecting them to their constituents through innovative marketing strategy. For more information, please visit blankbuzz.com. Now let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Blank Buzz Politics Podcast. Uh, hello, hello. It's been a few weeks, and the news has continued. <laughs> uh, I'm Leslie Walsh. And I'm Erin McCall. And we're here to talk about the news. <laughs> you always remind me of some kind of... I don't know, what do you call those people? Those late night talk show people that do like politics satire? Uh, I think just a late night host. Like a Jimmy Fallon or a No, Jimmy not Kimmel, like that, but somebody who like... Who I recently learned were two people and not one. You didn't know that? No, I thought that there was just one Jimmy in the late night. How Apparently do you, there was a Jimmy Fallon and a Jim Because they're identical to me. They're two different people. Well, You've they, never seen each person? I've, like, seen them, but in my brain, they just kind of get the same, like, slot for a person. That's so strange. But not like that, because they don't necessarily talk politics that much on those shows. But I mean, like, a Stephen Colbert uh, or a Trevor Noah type. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a political comedian. Yeah, okay. Mm. I guess so. That means, because Wesley used to do stand-up comedy. Yes, I'm a failed stand-up comedian <laughs> with a podcast, uh, as is tradition. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say I'm by saying that I'm making your dreams come true by saying you're funny, and then <laughs> that angered me. <laughs> so, I didn't really have that much of a plan for this episode. I figured we would just kind of go rogue and. Talk about the stuff that has captured our attention or interest. Yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, there's been a general global or well national failure of planning, so why bother? So, I guess you brought up the national failure. So, as we know, the amount of coronavirus cases has been... On the rise. Yes. Exponential growth. As of a few days ago, so have deaths. Yes. Um, it was the big talking point. Well, cases are on the rise, but deaths aren't. <laughs> now deaths are on the rise, too. So. That sucks. <laughs> uh, so, uh, basically, things have been getting worse. And um, in California, they're sort of re-shutting down a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Indoor dining, gyms, uh, I think also like tanning salons, haircuts, manicure salons or studios, things like that. Um, but in New York, things continue to remain positive. We actually, I think it was on Sunday, we for the first time since March didn't have a single coronavirus-related death. Yeah, um, it's a 
good time to be a New Yorker. Um, I'm, uh, I, I continue to see the vast, vast majority of people that I walk past in the city wearing masks, and like when I am in crowded areas like subways or just Manhattan in general, uh, that number approaches 100%. Yeah. With, you know, one exception that I see every couple hundred people even. Um, so uh, I think that mask use has, uh, mask compliance has been really high in this city and that has paid off in terms of our uh, level of outbreak. Yeah. I mean, every piece of research that's coming out is basically saying the same thing, which is that the mask works and is mm-hmm. probably the best tool that we have. Because mm. I like if 80% of people wore masks, they say the pandemic would be over. Yes. Um, Wear a mask. Yeah. Stay six feet apart when you can. Wash your hands. Yeah. I mean, it's not even 100%. I mean, 80 yeah. is, is four out of five people. So even right. if you have one out of we five. Can, we can have 20% of us be jackasses and we can still function. Right. Yeah. Um, so you would think um, that you would think that more people would wear a mask, but it seems like, and I can say now from having gone to Ohio, which isn't even, I don't think that extreme of it. Like there are more extreme states you could probably go to, right. like Florida or Texas or Arizona or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I and you remember because I when I was there I went to this like outdoor shopping mall and how many people didn't have a mask on there were actually less there probably 10 to 15 percent of people had a mask on i would say yeah i mean and you remember because i told you um because even i almost felt weird wearing one like it was very abnormal and like some of the stores i did a little experiment which you know, maybe I feel like this isn't an experiment you would do, but I did an experiment where I didn't, I did not wear a mask going into any store. So I waited to see which, because I wanted to see which stores would like require one or say something or, and like which ones wouldn't. Right. And because of, there's not like a universal policy. And I think out of like, I went into like nine or ten places total, and I think only in two of them did I have to wear a mask, um, where they had people at the front, and like if you didn't have one on, like they they had ones that you could take, and they like asked you to put it on before you went in. Yeah. Mean meanwhile, in New York, pretty much everywhere is being uh, quite uh, insistent. Uh, and even with small things, like I was at a McDonald's getting a milkshake and I sort of was absentmindedly not quite far enough from the person in front of me and the cashier told me to step back uh, to make sure that I was six feet apart. Uh, so I think that here, uh, what, we, what we're doing here is having a high level of uh, insistence and a high level of compliance and I think that that is working yeah like well first of all you never told me about that 
Um, that must have been very upsetting because you're such a goody two shoes and like <laughs> you I was never like, break the I was rule. like four and a half feet away from the person in front of me, you know. Yeah. But I was like standing a little bit in front of a sticker. That is so not your personality, though. Well, it wasn't intentional. I, I feel bad about it every day. What if it was Keeps Dr. Anthony Fauci in front what of you? What if Dr. Fauci <laughs> had seen me in that McDonald's? He's trying to get a fucking milkshake, and he sees this jackass standing four and a half feet away from the nearest person, like a murderer would. It was horrible. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Now, Wesley is probably the most mass compliant person I've ever seen. Like, he wears one even to get, like, an Uber delivery from outside. Um, yeah. And, like, it, like, literally any context. And even, like, when, like, if we're walking to the train or something, like, he has on the entire time that we're outside. Yeah. I mean, a big part of that is that I have found a mask that uh, my glasses fit over in a way that it does not fog up my glasses. And what we really need is a federal set of guidelines for what masks to buy that mm. don't fog up your glasses. Because glasses wearers <laughs> are really suffering. No, it and is I was really suffering hard. for the first few months of the pandemic until I got my nice mask that actually works to not fog up my glasses. Yeah, it is You hard. still haven't found one because your nose is differently shaped from mine. Wesley... I mean, that cheetah one does work. I just have to, like, really fit it properly. Uh-huh. But it is. I have, like, I don't know. What kind of nose do I have? I don't know what kind of nose. I feel um, like it's a wider nose or yeah, something. Yeah, mine juts out further. Yeah, mine's just, like, wide and, like, narrow and, like, flat, kind mm. of. But yeah. it's not, like, it doesn't, like, it's not. I think that the thing is your, your <laughs> the angle of your bridge is lower. Yeah. Right, so it's harder to... Um, this is Very great much. audio content, by the way. <laughs> These two people describing the angle of their noses. <laughs> it's very important, though. Yeah, yeah, I feel like my... And I have... I think I have a shorter face since mm. I'm shorter. So, I don't know. I think just all of it just doesn't work that well. Yeah. But with my sunglasses and my prescription sunglasses, it's like... I can wear any mask with those, basically. Because they're just so, like, big over... Like, they mm. put such a weight over it. Yeah. So, anyway... But, I mean, this is all information that I that has to exist. Because there are plenty of doctors and nurses who have been wearing masks for decades. Well, what I know is they surgical masks, which those I find... So, you know how it has the little metal bar in it? Uh-huh. They actually make that so... For surgeons to wear glasses or doctors mm. who wear glasses. Yeah. Like, that's actually why they make them that way. Is because... You can, like, shape it to your nose, and that does work. So the surgical ones, yeah, because I definitely can, like, easily kind of, like, fit it. That's why I wear a surgical one a lot, mm -hmm. um, because it's easier to Yeah, I didn't shape. know that. That's, you didn't, that's information yeah. that the public How did you not know that? Have. Yeah, that's exactly why right. they're like that. Um, and I think this, this speaks to the broader failure of communication on a federal level uh, from the beginning of this pandemic. Yeah. Uh, there has been very little transparency. There has been infighting. There has been no willingness to model proper behavior at the highest levels uh, until, until a couple two days, days ago. ago <laughs> the president allowed himself to appear in public and be photographed by the media in his own personal president of the United States mask. So, you know, he's 
is is uh, <laughs> you can strike one thing from the list <laughs> of things that he should be doing that he's not doing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, well, one th- one thing I was thinking about is like why with the mask compliance is why do people wear them or not wear them? And I and I think and I've been reading the past couple of days a lot about. Um, social behavior and I'm thinking that it has something to do with just like behavior is contagious mm-hmm. in general and people tend to copy and model the behaviors of others mm-hmm. around them and like it's even just unconscious you'll do it right and, and they don't like to stand out like you were you were feeling self-conscious about wearing a mask because most people weren't yeah yeah Exactly. So I'm wondering if, like, really, like, why people wear them or don't wear them is probably more shaped by those forces than a conscious, like, decision that I'm going to wear this for the safety of others and myself. Or if it's, or on the other side, people who are, like, I'm gonna this re- mask is oppressive, the, and I'm not gonna wear it, and whatever. Medical totalitarian globo homo vaccine. <laughs> Bill Gates, George Soros, uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, yeah. In stuff. Yeah, and um, and compliance or non-compliance is definitely something that signals uh, group affiliation, and then it also is just a matter of. Uh, you know, willingness to do something slightly uncomfortable. Um, and I think the social aspect is probably the most uh, important. I saw a very good post uh, of someone talking about that their strategy for compliance is not to confront people who aren't wearing masks, but just to silently point at them. Uh, and the idea would be that if everybody is just, whenever you see someone not wearing a mask, you point and do nothing else. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't like snap someone's finger off if they right, did that exactly. to me. Right, so you would have a small uptick in assaults <laughs> and murders from people like you, and from less extreme people, uh, a high uptick in compliance. I just think that's so rude. It is. First of all, I don't the, you like have to weaponize oh social pressure in order because we need we we ha- we're in a situation where we need eighty to ninety five percent of people to comply with. Yeah, no, I get which it. Is so hard. And I don't necessarily. It's tough because I don't necessarily disagree with that. I do, and because I've also seen you know because they're doing more and more research about masks and. How does the virus spread and all of those different mm. things? And um, basically, the latest findings are basically that it's very hard to spread it if you're outside, mm. especially if you're socially distanced. But even if you're not that socially distanced, because like the protest didn't result in a big uptick. Right. There was and they no think, yeah, bump. and they think a lot of that, and a lot of people weren't wearing masks. You know, it definitely wasn't 80 to 90% of people. Mm-hmm. And they think it's because essentially outside, just the way the air circulation works, um, it's just more difficult to breathe in those mm-hmm. particles. 
Um, versus if you're inside with recycled air, especially if you are somewhere where there's air conditioning, which it's the so summer. Where there's air conditioning, people are talking or exhaling. Right. So gyms and restaurants, of course. Gyms, people are breathing heavily. And the air is being recirculated. Restaurants, people are talking and eating and they can't have a mask on. Right. Um, <clears throat> right. So basically a big factor is inside versus outside and um essentially if you're socially distanced and you're outside you really don't need to wear a mask essentially because it's like pretty much impossible to spread it or get it in that circumstance so i personally don't really wear like when i'm walking a lot of not always but a lot of times when i'm walking outside i don't i don't wear it mm. um because also it's a little reprieve i get to like breathe the fresh air and mm. Um, and there's a lot of benefits also to like having fresh air exposure and stuff. So, um, and so I don't know. So I guess I'm just trying to say there is some nuance to it cause you don't necessarily, I think you need to know also like the context of where you are and mm -hmm. the risk kind of associated with that. Right. But I think in I a situation like this, like there's, you know, the, it's, it's always the thing of, like, the nuance is important for, like, understanding that this is a real thing and it's not magic. Um, <laughs> while also, like, you know, the, the nuance can also, like, kind of make people uh, less likely to comply generally. Although yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know the extent to which that is true. I definitely, when I'm, say, uh, you know, the walk from this apartment to the A-Train is fairly sparsely populated yeah that's usually. an example of one um, i don't wear it. so often yeah. i will remove my mask if there aren't people within like 30 feet of me yeah and i can walk for a bit but you know it's very quickly i find that you know very quickly if i'm not paying attention well that's new york that's a new york city thing or, or three feet of someone for a couple seconds yeah i mean that's a lot of places not like that, but it's right. more of a New York thing. But New, New York, there's a lot less room for wiggling. Yeah, uh, for sure. Unless you're seeking out specific places that are sparsely populated. Yeah, but I do think that <clears throat> the in-group, out-group thing and, like, social pressures and contagion and unconscious cues is a really big reason why people... Are either wearing it or not wearing it. Because also, like, I can tell you, like, being somewhere, like you said, when there's not one, I feel weird wearing it. And it's not something you can rationally think, like, why does it feel weird? It's it's just because you have all these unconscious processes that are happening that guide your behavior. Mm -hmm. um, that you try to rationalize, but you can't, really. And I I also just... I feel like it gives me more leeway because I'm like, all of these other people aren't doing it. So like, I don't like, they don't care about anyone else's safety. So, <laughs> you know, you, you just throw caution a little more. And I do think, I honestly feel like that's the biggest thing. It's not even, um, it's not even a matter of mandating or controlling people's behavior through official processes or enforcement but I do think it helps to have sort of a universal standard and we, right. we've talked about this like you know in in New York you can't go in if you would like to go into any establishment you're gonna right. have to put it on like yeah. 
you know, versus in Ohio, like all these different stores where every store has a different policy. So you can definitely go into places and not have to wear it, you know. But if you're in a situation where if you ever want to, like, be able to buy food again, you're going to have to put something over your face. Like, you're probably going to figure that out pretty quickly. So, yeah. But, um... So, you know, things are pretty good here. Along with that, another topic that everybody's talking about right now is kids going back to school. Um, And Wesley is a teacher in training. Obviously, Mm -hmm. this is going to impact you next year since you're either going to have a job or you're going to be a student teaching. And it seems like what I think is weird is that it seems like nobody really has a plan when they had like five months to be coming up with this. And nobody's, nobody really anywhere seems to have. And I mean, part of that is like, well, this, we should have been planning this since April when it was clear that well, we yeah. didn't know when this was going to end. Um, I don't understand how they didn't. Right, exactly. They had so much time to do right. this. There, they should have been specifically, you know, manufacturing barriers for desks and PPE and various things. Sneeze guards and all this kind of stuff. you know, at the, at, at the state that we are now, um we're in we're in what is very much a no-win situation kids are badly harmed by not being in school online classes are not nearly as effective as in person uh for kids you know some kids of course you know, well also you can just be sitting there playing video games right. while you know you're yeah. i i have a I struggle in online. I was going to say like, that, yeah. Because like... <laughs> I have kind of a short attention span. It's different. Um, and so I kind of need. And, and kids there's are even worse. certain things like yeah. with these behavior cues and these right. different things that don't happen. Right. They don't happen in an online environment. Right. You don't have the same pro social behavior that, because right. it, there's just no way to biologically replicate it. So people just don't sort of act the same way or. Right. Also, information so, isn't absorbed as much. There's a lot of different things, but it's definitely not as good. Absolutely harmed by schools continuing to be closed. And they are also going to be pretty badly harmed if schools open in a way that is not um, safe. And if there isn't a plan to, to make them open safely, uh, <clears throat> you know, you need to be able to it's not just mask compliance in schools because you can't you simply can't get kids especially younger kids i've got friends who teach kindergarten you know um to uh efficiently um or to effectively wear ppe uh because they're always going to do something wrong they can't wear their pants right half the time (laughs) um and you know uh, i think that if you're a teacher in a room of, you know, 20 kids, especially if you're a teacher where, you know, the classes switch and so you're getting, you're actually encountering yeah. hundreds of kids a day, schools are, um, you know, uh, cesspools of disease, even when there isn't a pandemic. And, <clears throat> um, you know, an individual kid is probably less likely to transmit just because you know their lungs don't project droplets as far but a, a closed room with 20 kids or you know we're doing this kind of staggered thing yeah two days plan. on three days so off. You're in a room yeah. with 10 kids that's still 10 
bodies, ten pairs of lungs well, you, projecting. Because like we just talked about indoor <clears throat> versus outdoor. Yeah. And indoor, I mean, because even here, they've, they we were supposed to start indoor dining during phase three, and they paused it indefinitely, basically just because of all the indication that it just wasn't a good idea. Right. And same with gyms. Gyms were supposed to be in phase four, um, and they've also been taken out of that indefinitely. So there's less research to suggest that's a problem, especially if you Mm -hmm. have a mask, But um, which is hard to wear a mask in a gym, but you can do it if you really want to. (laughs) And some, I know I would do it for sure. So so it's, the research on that, I I don't know why exactly they made that decision, but... Obviously, dining is different because you, you can't really wear a mask in that context. But um, I know Betsy Dubois, is that how you say her name? Betsy DeVos. 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 Whatever. Um, I gave her a better DeVos name. Or DeVos. Not Dubois. I think because I was listening to a podcast earlier with Garcelle Beauvoir. Mm, yeah. Blanche Dubois. Yep. So, anyway, <laughs> um, I know she came under fire DeVos. because DeVos. she was saying that only 0.2% of kids would die from the coronavirus right. who went back to school. And I guess that's something like 14,000 students right. over the entire country. Because she's the, I think, Secretary of Education, right? Right. 0.2% yeah. is, you know, one kid in 500, right? Well, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is one five hundred. Yeah. So in most most schools have about five hundred students. Some have more. You're talking about one dead kid per school. Uh, that's not that's not something that you can just write off. That is huge. That's yeah. a that's a it's an incredible trauma to put on children in this country. That if every Basically, you're saying every child is going to know someone who died. Well, and this uh, also doesn't even account for teachers, administrators, right. other teachers, staff people, family members working of there. children. Right. Um, you know, maybe you're, <clears throat> and also just the the asymmetry because you know kids who know kids who have a known immunodeficiency or a known heart condition, where everyone in their family has to stay home. So they're never they're not gonna get to benefit from the in person education. They're gonna get left behind by their peers. Uh, so there's also an equity issue in there. Um, there, there. There are so many, and yeah, the 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 administration's basic uh, strategy here is it's just try and reduce things to statistics uh, and try to get people to not think about the fact that you know starting starting schools means dead kids uh if we don't have a very very solid plan in place yeah um so yeah i I think that there's just no and and if there's going to be a federal order uh that overrides even local decisions which is what they've been kind of hinting at that would be disastrous yeah um it's it's so callous and it's so um it's just 
there's there's no empathy or humanity in the federal government um and that sucks in a crisis like this um yeah right yeah so basically no one really on any level has a plan for how they can reopen schools safely. Right. But everybody kind of agrees that distance and online learning are inadequate. Is, yeah. Right. Did you say inevitable? I said inadequate. Yeah, inadequate for sure. And I just don't know what exactly they're going to do. Right. And well, I we're mean, approaching, we're almost, I mean, we're halfway right. through July at this point. Um, in some states, uh, like when I went to school, we, it was weird. We always went back a week before Labor Day, which is mm-hmm. weird because then we'd have like Monday off. Right. But um, so in, in some states, people are going back in August. So, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like, but even in New York, you know, it New seems York, we like, go back day after Labor Day. Yeah. But um, they don't, you know, even seems like there's really not a plan in place. I was reading last week that de Blasio was saying they're going to do a staggered schedule right. and then on the off days you'd be doing online learning but but then the governor said that it's his call as to what happens with the school so who knows it's, it's right. even that's, that's, that's still the, in the, the, the the continuing issue in new york is <laughs> yeah. that um, the mayor versus... nobody nobody agrees with the person directly above or below them yeah <clears throat> um but it's also that everyone which is really funny how there's this paradox of everybody loves Cuomo and everybody mm. hates de Blasio. Cuomo, I, my belief so. is that Cuomo benefits immensely from the ability to push uh, responsibility both ways. Yeah. Uh, that he, just by, by doing the bare minimum, because both, because de Blasio is a fuck up and Donald Trump is a sort of human monster. Uh, he he gets to be in the middle and have a you know uh, low to normal level of empathy and a medium level of competence and he gets to just shine uh, because the people above and below him are so awful. Yeah. Well, I wanted to bring up, which I just saw at this point of good news. So there's over 150 vaccines currently in trials um and because basically it seems like the there's no end to this whole thing until there's a vaccine at this point um and so um so essentially one of these trials is has been so successful that it's now going to the final stage which is a thirty thousand person study um with actual shots Mm. So, um, this is really big because to make it to phase three of a vaccine trial mm-hmm. is very difficult. I forget. I think only like 1% of all, uh, vaccines like ever created or make it that far. Um, is this the AstraZeneca, the AstraZeneca one? Or? Um, no, this is developed by Fauci's colleagues at, at the NIH and oh. Moderna. Mm. Um, so, 
yeah, so basically, because I think if, which, and it seems like the earliest we could get it is the end of this year. Mm -hmm. So, and I will say, I am confident, I think with so many people working on it, like, there's just never been, it's kind of like anything, like, when they were working to build the first atomic bomb, and you had everybody stopping and we're only working on this project like it's only a matter of time before it's going to happen well this is this is almost better because it's instead, like the of, opposite. instead of having one <laughs> secret manhattan project you have thousands of organizations all racing to complete their manhattan yeah. project and yeah a hundred percent and um and i've even said this is i think one time where private healthcare has benefited us because we have so many different institutions <laughs> you know because they're going to be rich if they are the ones who come up with it. Mm-hmm. So you've got a huge incentive and you've got so many people working on it. And you know you have so many different bodies of people that can work on it. So Right. Well, I mean, this isn't a private... Because it's not that health insurance companies are doing this. No, no, no. But like it's I just that, mentioned, like yeah, Moderna is working with NIH. Like things like that. Because I, I they're push, funding it. I want to push back a little bit because like it's... You know, other countries have private medical research and drug companies. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I'm saying those things are... Even, it's helped because they have really big budgets true. here. So, right. you know, where do you... The NIH is getting all their money from Moderna. That's right. a, so, yeah. I mean, so I think it's helpful that they have access to such amounts of money and resources. But, yeah, no. But, because um, I guess, you know, as far as, like, going back to school, all these things, it's like, when is this going to end? You know, I've even been like, you know, this is crazy. Like, when am I going to get to, like, do normal things again and not wear a mask anymore? And it seems like it's not going to be until we get a vaccine. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's true. Uh, I think that, yeah, on the issue of schools, it's a pretty difficult choice to have to make to, you know, even if we were guaranteed a vaccine in December, we're talking about letting kids miss an entire half a year of school. Yeah. Well, and um, they've already missed like half a year. Yeah. Well, they missed a third of a year. Third of a year. Uh, and so they'll be, that'll be, you know, most of a year lost to online teaching. A lot of catch up to be built. To and be I mean, doing. some schools just completely said, we're not even holding classes. Like back in March, they right. just didn't even do online learning. They just completely. Yeah. Um, Some schools just don't have (laughs) the resources resources to adapt. Yeah. Um, And that's, I mean, that's been a huge uh, disparity. There are schools that give every kid a MacBook. And there are schools where kids, where, you know, half the kids still don't have technology at home. Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, and so, like, there's going to be a huge disparity between the kids who go to schools that are able to, you know, get 80% of the way to normal education with the resources they have, and the kids that go to schools that can barely do anything. I mean, that's a, this whole thing. It's like the rich are, the rich are fine right. and are able to adapt, and everybody else is kind of screwed. Right. You see Hollywood that's, people. Even companies. Yeah. You know, the small businesses can't adapt as much to these different circumstances and stuff. Yeah. But Starbucks, and you know, they can do it. Right. So they're going to be fine. Um, yeah. So I wanted to talk also about the election. Yes. Obviously, the polls keep going in the Biden 
favor. Right. Biden is anywhere <laughs> from 8 to 12 points ahead in the popular vote. Yeah, which on is which a lot, especially this early. Um, he's within striking distance of states like Texas. Um, although, you know, I would not, this is, we've been, we've been wanting to see Texas turn blue every cycle. It's stubborn. Uh, it's stubborn. Texans are stubborn. There's nothing else. Um, we wanted to see Beto. It didn't happen. (laughs) Then he ran for president for some reason. That didn't happen either. Um, (laughs) we wanted to see, and we'll, we'll, you know, I'm not holding my breath for Texas, but that would be very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so what do you think is the reason that right now polls are looking so much different from 2016? I mean, I think it's because it's just a completely different time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trump is kind of running the same campaign, essentially, yeah. that he was running four years ago. It's just now, it's keep America great. That's really the <laughs> only difference, though. It's right. pretty much the same message and the same core pitch and it's just completely, it's almost tone deaf because it's just so right. different of a time than what was going on four years ago. I mean, we had a booming economy, um, but you also had a lot of uh, divisiveness and sort of dissatisfaction or disillusionment with sort of establishment politics yeah the the obama era seemed to promise so much and it gave us eight years of competent leadership without much to show for it right so you know this is completely different because this is almost like when people are comparing it to like world war ii time where the economy is completely tanked people don't have jobs um People are, like, dying. People are in chaos. There's all of this police brutality and uh, systemic racism that's being highlighted. Um, You know, all of this stuff that's kind of putting us in a huge crisis. And um, and I, I can't remember where I saw this or if it was on a podcast that I listened to, but um, it was sort of an analysis of, like, what the moment is like, in the, or what sort of is going on in the country, sort of like, is it a crisis time, or is it a, like, prosperity time, mm-hmm. and, like, how people vote, and people tend, not, like, Democrat or Republican, but, like, right. people, Incumbent or outsider yeah. or establishment. People tend to look for a figure that... Um, is um sort of promoting um like unity and hope more during times of crisis Mm -hmm. than they do in times of prosperity in times of prosperity and like it was an interesting analysis also of um like i guess democrats tend to nominate someone who is more of an optimist during Mm -hmm. bad times actually mm-hmm. and republicans do the opposite where they have somebody more um kind of like stern and who is sort of an authoritarian mm-hmm. um type of figure like they looked at like obama mccain but then in the opposite when it's prosperity the democrats tend to sort of 
put somebody who's a little bit more stern mm-hmm. and may, not maybe a downer, but somebody who's just more serious, more like a cold. John Kerry um, versus right. um, like a Bush. Because right. it's the opposite, where Bush is the more kind of like off the rails, kind of a little bit more um, gregarious and mm-hmm. Carrie is more just serious. <laughs> and um, and they did this like interesting analysis of it. And and I it feel like that's like that's kind of like what's happening this time and we're in the crisis time right now. Right. So like if you were looking at the pattern the Democrats have again nominated an optimist or somebody mm-hmm. who's more in that light and probably will win based on like past precedent, which is it was kind of an interesting thing, um, or way to look at it. But um and I mean I feel like for Trump it's just like compounding interest almost on like right. all the things that are going wrong for him right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just don't know how, I don't think anybody, even like hardcore supporters, I mean, he turned against old people, which was a big part of his base. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're seeing that happen in the numbers. So, right. I mean, I don't know. You can't just like. All he's got is white Gen Xers. Yeah. I just think, don't think he really Which, thinks about a strategy. And Gen like, X gets forgotten, but I think we need to be harder on them. <laughs> um, we've been mean to the baby boomers. Yeah, there's a lot of beef there, but really, Generation X, what are you doing? You, can't, you came of age <laughs> in times of prosperity. You they got, just didn't do that much. You know, you, you create, they created the grunge era. You don't love grunge? No. Oh. Yeah. I don't either. But. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, so... They created the most, like, downer musical genre in an era where there was basically nothing going wrong. Right. The 90s was great. <sighs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think when you just complete... I think he just relies on the fact that he's going to have this loyal, tribalist right. base and... He is seeing, I think, that that's not necessarily there. You know, at some point, you're going to lose people. Right. So, and he's I trying... just think he's been so not strategic with all of these different decisions right. and whatnot. And what's happening is exposing these are all of his weaknesses right, right now. And so, I just think all of that, it's like, there, you know, the numbers just can't. There's just, like, no way that they're going to yeah. be there in the way that they were before. He's trying to run as an outsider <laughs> and as an incumbent. Yeah. Um, you know, he's trying to... <clears throat> he, he's trying to say, you know, the people in charge are terrible when he's the people in charge. Right. Um, he's, he's trying to start beefs with Fauci because he's jealous of the spotlight. And that's the most, like... By the way, I did read... Did you hear about Mary Trump's book? Um, I read about it. Did you read it? I read it today, You read yeah. every book. I do. Yeah. I did read it, yeah. So, it any any insights? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely... Is it... Wait, let me... Let me... I'm gonna do my, like, guess. Is he kind of a narcissist and an asshole? Yeah, I mean, not even kind of. Like, she's actually a psychologist. She's mm. a PhD in psychology. 
So, um, so she actually, he meets all the nine DSM diagnostic criteria for narcissistic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And she basically is like, yeah, he has always been like that. And like, but it's because you get more of a background on the reason because he comes right. from a very dysfunctional upbringing, which I mm-hmm. do think is overshadowed. Not that he talks about it either, I guess, but, um, like, you know, who, who can tell me what Trump's parents' names are or whatever? Like, Fred, oh, Fred well, Trump you can, okay. And, um, wasn't it like, Mary Lee's or something? It's, uh, I, I'm, I think, I'm actually forgetting She's his mom's Scottish. name. It's Mary, it's Mary, it's like Mary Ann or something like that. Mary Ann, Fred and Mary Ann. Yeah, and, but, so, and, you know, it was interesting hearing from her, um, because she was talking about, like, how... Well, I got the Mary part right. I'm giving myself points for that. Okay, what is it? Mary... It's Mary Ann McLeod Trump. Oh, I was right about Mary Ann, okay. Oh, Ann McLeod, like in Highlander. All right, so, um... So basically, um, so like, so Trump's grandparents were like kind of abusive and then Mm -hmm. Trump's parents. So Fred and so his, so Marianne, um, got like really, really sick when, um, Trump was like really little Mm -hmm. and actually like didn't live with them for a long time. Mm -hmm. And Fred was sort of like sole parent, but he he was kind of like Trump. Like he he was working, um, like six days a week, mm-hmm. on his business stuff, right. and just wasn't really around. So Trump kind of grew up without like real parents, and mm-hmm. also just the way their family dynamic was was very sort of aloof and distant, mm-hmm. and. So she sort of like theorizes that like the his feelings of abandonment essentially like caused him to um use and she uses like specific stories and stuff but like the tools of humiliation and sort of like grandioseness mm-hmm. um to um try to put himself above people as a like way of avoiding his own insecurities. Mm-hmm. So he's a bully. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it was um, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, and I mean that's an it's this through line in like commentary that I've I I think it was a five thirty eight podcast where they were talking about strategies, potential Republican strategies. And one of the ideas was, oh, well, they're in kind of a bad place. How could they get some good press? Well, they could switch to a more exciting vice presidential candidate like Nikki Haley. But the because Nikki Haley is generally reputed to be yeah. like not she's a young. lunatic. She's young. She's cute. She's uh, like seems smart. Um, she has a lot of uh, advantages as a vice presidential candidate. Um, but the, the big sticking point was, no, that wouldn't work because she would start getting good press and the president would get jealous. <laughs> um, so he's, he, he's sort of, his, his strategy is all stuck with the fact that as an incumbent, you need to be able to seem stable. You, you know, you, you need to do all of these things that he's not really, doesn't seem capable of doing. Like, even 
kind of PR layups that he's had in the past. Uh, like Conan the uh, terrorist killing dog. Remember Conan oh, the yes. dog? Yes, exactly. Yeah. This, this dog, he, he started I out... I told you about this. Right. Yeah. He started out kind of, you know, he he did what a smart politician would do, which was he started scheduling photo ops with the dog because it was a hero dog, which uh, had um, been instrumental in killing a high-level... Was it al-Baghdadi? Yeah. Yeah. In killing al-Baghdadi, who was Leader public enemy number one. Right. Um, it was a huge PR layup, but he stopped doing dog stuff after half a week because the dog was getting more attention. Well, there. the dog was supposed to go to the White House, and then right. the dog never went. Right, and got canceled. Because <laughs> he's, he's literally yeah. like a two-year-old who's jealous of the pet. Yeah. Right. I mean, to be fair, I might have gotten jealous of the pet. Well, I would have just pet the dog. I know. Um, you love dogs also. Yeah. Um, I would have gotten a photo of me petting the dog, and I would have now, in 2020, been using that photo uh, on all of my press releases. <laughs> Here's me with the dog I'm just that saying, killed the head of ISIS. <laughs> I'm just saying, as someone with a bunch of attachment issues, I understand the jealousy thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what I would be like. Um, so I also want to mention, so Kanye West for about a couple, five days or so (laughs) said he was running for president. Um, he's a jackass. He is. I mean, I think honestly, I kind of thought it was a PR stunt Mm -hmm. and there was speculation about it because he released a new single. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I kind of feel like it was, but I almost feel like he lost points more than he gained anything. Because, yeah. like, well, what do you think he has gained from this? Because people know. actually know how uneducated he is now. And... I mean, like, it's... Nobody was going to vote for him, so... I, I just think it kind of makes you look like a wimp if you're like, oh, just kidding. And it's like, now, you know, if you ever actually wanted to run, I guess, now... Because well, he's talked think, about it, I know, but he's talked about it before. Mm-hmm. But in, in now, nobody's ever going to take it seriously. So I mean, there are other people who, who have led like hilariously failed presidential <laughs> campaigns and gone on to uh, achieve the office. Well, for example, yeah. Donald Trump. Who yeah, ran I don't as think a, Kanye like Constitution Party in two thousand. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I don't think Kanye's ever going to be it was president. The Reform though. Party. I, I think that's just... Reform Party, because it was the Ross Perot Party. I don't think we're going to see a Kanye presidency. I, I do not either. Yeah, his views are just way too out there. So well, because he was he was running on, and it was just like an anti-vax platform. Anti-vax and pro-life. Anti-vax, pro-life, <laughs> right. Which that appeals to like one percent of the population. I think I think that there's a decent uh, overlap between anti-vax and pro-life. Yeah, but I'm saying that how many people are both is like one percent. Maybe. You think it's more? I mean, I pro-life like... is about half, but I think how many of those are anti-vax? I don't think it's that many. I mean, I I would say it's probably more like 
six or seven percent. All right, fine, but that's still not. But that's the thing is that that's your that's your path to a historic, you know, win as a third party candidate. I mean, you can't win with six or seven percent. No, but okay, so let's let's lay it out where the birthday party, the party that he was running <laughs> under. Um, gets 6% in the 2020 election. Now it qualifies for uh, federal campaign finance assistance. What's the threshold for that? 5%. Okay. Which no party has gotten well, since the Reform Party did in 1992 with Ross Perot. God. Well, it's not going to happen. That's the thing. Okay. Because he's, he's also, he has announced today that he's dropping out um, after, essentially, because it was too late for him to get on the ballot in a few states at all and I guess it was possible he was aiming for Florida and South Carolina but in Florida you need I don't know like 250,000 signatures or something like that and it just I don't know if it was just like laziness I don't know if it was just a lack of planning but he basically was like eh it's not Mm -hmm. worth it we're canceling this campaign right they realized that it would be too hard to get on the ballot yeah, well, for sure, and you know, he probably just spent a lot of money, and yeah, it, you know, yeah. He he got publicity for five days. Everyone will forget about it in a week. Uh, so I think it's a win for him. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well. Whatever. But I mean, it's good that it's not because people were like, "That's gonna only divide the vote, split the vote." They did. They did polls, and it seemed like. He basically he, he would be taking votes from, from Trump. Trump. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, uh, which makes sense. But right. and he said he would run as a Republican if he uh-huh. if he could have. But the spoiler effect would be like net half a percent from Trump. Yeah, I mean it wasn't gonna be that significant. Right. But that was my point is that he's not really appealing to anyone. Right. So what else? What else? Um. Did we last time talk about the fucking bounties? No, because that hadn't happened yet. Right. Um, it's it's going to be hard when we do these these episodes uh, a few weeks apart, is there's so much that happens. Well, hopefully we'll do them right. now so, that we're roommates. Hopefully we um, can do it more <laughs> consistently. As I recall, uh, when was it? Late June, it came to light that the... Uh, that Putin, the the Russian uh, spy agency, had been um, funneling money in the form of bounties to Al-Qaeda soldiers for the killing of U.S. soldiers. So if if an Al-Qaeda member killed a U.S. soldier, they would get a certain amount of money from spies. It was like half a million dollars. Right. Um, and this was And they found out that known... they, like, raided a house right. and found a bunch of money. And... Right. Found a bunch of U.S. Yeah. currency, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was known to the White House in March, and there was nothing... Well, it was either... He, they were briefed... He well, was either yeah. It was known to the March. White House. Not yeah. the... Pre- we okay. don't know, we don't yeah, know what the fair. president knew, because the president <laughs> does not read his briefings, <laughs> and the people who work for the president do not like sharing bad news He's about Russia. He's not somebody Russia to share bad news with. Right. Yeah. He's very, very, this is gonna backfire very bad at the job, Yeah. is the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, um, I think we hadn't had any major crises like this really happen up until this year, mm-hmm. so I think now 
because all the weaknesses are really being exposed because mm-hmm. that part of the job is really necessary. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think he was briefed on it personally and just probably ignored it because there's been other things I can't recall off the top of my head, but I know there's been other smaller things where, like, they were like, oh, he was briefed, and then he's like, I have, he either didn't read it, or claims to. Forgot. Yeah. Right. So I think that's probably But he it. aced a cognitive test. Well, yeah, it was probably a, it was through some, I no, heard that doctor. I've, seen, I've oh, okay. seen the cognitive test. So, like, the cognitive how do you test. spell cat? Well, it, it's literally that. I can, sh- I think I can show you the, the it's, cognitive test. Because it's not. You'd because be, it's, it's, it's a like, test for brain damage. No, I was just going to say, it's like a test to see if you have Alzheimer's. It's right. it's like, can you do basic functions? It's literally like, there there is a... <laughs> do you know your right from your left? Like, that's the a, test. Okay, look, let's look at section two, naming. <laughs> can you do that? Can <laughs> you name these animals, Aram? <laughs> that's a lion. Ooh. <laughs> the rhinoceros. Mm-hmm. And a camel. Wow. <laughs> All right, let's get you in the Oval Office. <laughs> you are qualified. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I know that that's what they are because that's, like, right. the only other kind of cognitive test is, like, an IQ test or right. something. But they're not it's giving not an you an IQ, IQ test. test. It's a concussion <laughs> it's test. It's literally, yeah, exactly. Right. Or, like, if you have um, dementia or something, they give you something like that. But right. it's not. It. Yeah. Right. It. it, it a three-year-old can ace it like that's it's very basic but um yeah so i mean but i just am like how is he friends with putin knowing all this information it's just so gross to me i'm like what authoritarians know how to stroke his ego it's it's horrible it's like he's putting himself above the country though it's like your job is literally the leader of the country. Right. I don't get it. It's like these people don't like us. This is, this is bad for business. And I just don't get it. It's like, how do you know that they're screwing you like this, but you're just going to take it? And it's just, it's just mind boggling. Right. And it's just horrible. I mean, talk about like, I mean, he's yeah. basically a traitor. Right, no, Americans, so, Americans have likely died because of the president's It's basically inaction. treason. Well, I mean, Americans, hundreds, uh, 140,000 Americans have died because of the president's inaction. In addition, several American soldiers have probably died because of the president's inaction on this issue. And the frustrating thing is that this is not going to get the same level of... Uh, like scrutiny and detail and investigative journalism that fucking Benghazi got. Yeah, right. right. Because Trump has a Benghazi every couple of weeks now. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's just no people can't focus on. There's just thing. too much to right. Too much to dissect. But oh, and, and the media is so obsessed with the both sides angle um, that it's but really. But how is there another side? It's exactly. Like... There is but this is no this is how it this is how it happened in 2016 was the media oh just really zeroed in on the handful of Hillary scandals the emails and the Benghazi thing. But if the media um, is so left leaning, how come they're not? Because going the media in on isn't left leaning. It's sort of it's it leans towards clicks. the illusion <laughs> of well, more than that. It leans towards the illusion of lack of bias. Yeah. So 
it needs to report equally on Trump scandals and Hillary scandals. Everything has bias, but right. I think when you try to be unbiased, it's just stupid. Right. You you end up you end up portraying you things. Still in the bit, you're way. still being biased. You're just not right. acknowledging it. And this is why this is why Biden's kind of strategy of staying under the radar for a while I mean, it's a for good a long one. time is very like not seeking publicity yeah he's he's been doing he's been campaigning he's been yeah, not making, he's not oh he's I'm been gonna, having conversations you know, with the right he's people. not doing these high profile interviews um, and he had a really nice um interview with uh ad barakim is it barakim i have no um, idea he's a, he's a um uh i think he has he's a healthcare activist who has als He's basically his his life story is he has probably a year left to live and he's going to use that year to campaign for health care reform. He was a Bernie guy and Biden had a sit down with him over Zoom Uh, and you can seek that out. And it's a really good conversation. Biden shows his empathy. Um, AD comes, you know, he's. Someone who supported Biden's opponent, main opponent in the Bernie. primary. I mean, I have but, to say, Bernie also has done a really good job this right. time of like, because they formed this like unity coalition yeah. or something. But he didn't do any of that last time. Like this time, right. I think I do. I do think he learned his lesson from I think that. He learned his lesson, and I think that Biden's personality. I know it is. Has, he has he is off. just yeah. I mean, that is his that, personality. That Biden, even before anyone. Who care? Who even before Bernie Sanders was a household name, the uh, yeah. Bi- Joe Biden was one of the main people, only people in the Senate who was just like personally nice to him, and would was working to build a personal relationship with him. Yeah, because that's that's his big strength as a candidate and as a person is this warmth and this empathy and this ability to forge connections with lots of people. Um, which, you know, it was criticized in the primary as this, like, naivety of reaching across the aisle, but it's also showing its value in his ability to, uh, pull in the people in his own party that disagree with him. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that it's going to pay off because it creates the greatest contrast with a, a man who's in office who doesn't empathize. In any noticeable, knowable way. Because he completely isolates and, like... Right. You know, you have all these, like, broken relationships and constantly firing people and, you know, there's bad... Everybody's leaving with bad blood and on bad terms and it's, like, the opposite. He's the... His famous thing that he does is push (laughs) people away. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, I'm also famous for that, but <laughs> I, mean, I understand it. That's what I'm saying. Right. But um, I'm not saying that makes the greatest quality. Hours. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not saying that's the greatest quality for a president. But right. I mean, I've said it before that I think Joe Biden taking this approach, this is genius. Just right. let the ship sink. Like the ship right. is. Quickly sinking. Right, and right now and there's no, he hasn't given a target really, because the the only like the best the best thing that his opponents can come up with is that Hunter Biden or like, is like 
or like Sleepy Joe or you know whatever. Yeah. That's it. That's all. Yeah. And they've been saying that for years already. So yeah. it's like it's nothing new. Like don't give him anything to work with. That's right. like, he's not giving him anything to work with because that's right. Trump's thing. Is that that's like how. Because, like, even Mary Trump was talking about how he uses humiliation and, like, that's his right. big weapon. So, if you don't give him any material, right. he has nothing to work with. Like, he right. he can't create these, like, creative counterpoints out of thin air yeah. from his own ideas. Like, he has to have material from somebody. Like, he has to have something coming from the other side he's a right. counterpuncher like if we're, we're using right. boxing references he's a counterpuncher like he he has to have somebody coming forward first but uh, i love how i can use a boxing analogy <laughs> because one of the best ways to fight a counterpuncher is to make them lead so mm-hmm. you make them go first because it's uncomfortable and they're not as good at um leading mm-hmm. so Fabian strategy. Yeah, so it's like it's the same thing. Like, how do you fight a counterpuncher? You just don't come forward. Like, you don't give them the um, ability to Mm counterpunch. So it's literally the same thing where somebody like that needs you to say a bunch of things and um, be putting yourself out there, be. creating all kinds of campaign messaging and doing appearances and whatever and then he uses all of that or posting on social media or whatever and then he uses all of that and finds you know little holes or little ways that he can make fun of you or whatever um or create some kind of false narrative or what but yeah he needs that material um he can't just come up with it so if you you just ghost him and so if you do that he's literally got nothing to right. say. All, all he's all he's got is I'm gonna protect the I'm gonna protect statues and the Confederate flag. Um, it, that's been all I've seen Trump ads and they're basically just we yeah. gotta protect Mount Rushmore. Uh, well, I think that's pretty productive. Yeah, <laughs> while 140,000 Americans are dead. Yeah. Um, one thing I am interested in, um, is the debates. Yes. Um, because those are going to happen. I mean, all indication is that they're moving forward, and we don't know. I don't think how exactly. At least mm. they haven't said is it going to be like you remember the last debate between Bernie and Biden. It was like they were on a stage, right, six feet apart, or it was yeah. probably more than six. They bumped elbows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I don't know if they're going to do. They haven't. I don't think decided yet, but. Um, is there going to do something like that or if it's going to be something like remote where it's over zoom or over some kind of streaming service and that's just the way that it's held um but that's the one thing i'm like i don't honestly know how that's going to go because joe has said repeatedly that he's really excited to debate him right which i don't fully get that but because i i almost feel like that's going to be trump's one opportunity to try to sort of put the narrative in his favor because it's his opportunity put to put the narrative in his favor but yeah. also like joe is a completely different person to debate than hillary oh for sure and i think i think that joe has been training and he has these like 
Yeah. You know, he, he. I think there was at one point that he said that he was he just wanted to like go out there and do twenty push ups and challenge Don to do the same <laughs> thing, because um, that's how. Because like the things yeah. that Biden is capable of like projecting machismo, and I don't, I don't know how Trump is going to be able to counter that. Well, he's not used to that. I right. mean, because he's, I think even being this is with yeah. Hillary, I think that was such a different dynamic. And especially, like, yeah, I mean, I, that's going to be really interesting. But, yeah. I don't know, I guess in my mind, I feel like, like Trump is Joe better. Bi- Joe Biden was forged <laughs> in, like, bike chain fights in the parking lot of the pool in the oh 60s. Oh, my God. In the, in the that 50s. is real. Corn, ba- corn, pop corn pop existed. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> I'm not even a corn pop truther. It's documentable that corn pop it is. existed. It is. Um, but... I don't know. I guess I know this sounds crazy, but I kind of feel like Trump is a better debater. I know because mm-hmm. I also watched like a, a while ago. I watched the twenty twelve Republican mm-hmm. debates, uh, like for the nominee. Mm-hmm. What do you call those primary, primary debates? And you know, and he kind of picked apart Marco Rubio, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, he did good. Well, I, I guess is. Yeah. He did well. Really. But that's also but... because he's a good, his his one, the one tool he has in his toolbox is bullying. Yeah. And that, like, Hillary's approach was to take the high road. Yeah, and that didn't work because that just was, he would interrupt. He would do all these things. He would loom over her. Um, and in the primaries, what made him popular was that he would bully all of these, like, less uh, energetic So do you just think it won't work? I don't think I don't see how it can work with Biden, especially because the 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 narrative about Biden having dementia has set the bar low. <laughs> oh, um, so he's going to underestimate him is what you're saying. Well, uh, first, yeah, Trump is the kind of person who would believe his own bullshit. He doesn't have front. dementia, but... right? Exactly. But you're and, yeah, and you're the media has they're, they're, they've created he's this passed env- the cognitive test. Right, this en- this environment has been created. No, I'm talking about the the the. The idea that Biden has declined cognitively, not that Trump oh, has, right? Yeah, no, um, but I'm saying he's had to take that little test too, right? Um, no, but that is a legit like because if you have Alzheimer's or something, you right. can't take that and pass it. Uh huh. Yeah. No, but I, what I'm saying is that like they've they've created the the, the current Republican narrative. Yeah, I know, I know. It's Sleepy Joe. Sleepy and, Joe. Yeah, I know, I know. He doesn't even know what he's saying, and, and yeah, right. And that's gonna that. fall yeah. apart once. Well, you, once they see, they oh, have it's a not conversation, real. and Joe is perfectly lucid. Yeah, you know, Joe, like that's gonna be interesting. He's gonna he's gonna trip over a word a couple times because he has a stutter, and that's gonna be it. Yeah, um, I'm excited though. I have to say, I think yeah. I can't wait to see that. I mean, yeah, I mean, those are the, the I'm two, just almost the two know what to big expect. things are the debate and the vice presidential pick. Oh, yeah, because that still hasn't come out. Because the VP pick is going to be... They're know, just I, waiting like, on that. They're just sitting right, on that. Because they don't they don't want to give them time <laughs> yeah. for oppo research, Well, basically. no, of course right, not. Right, because that's what Trump's going to do. And normally they don't even... He can't run against Biden because there's, not, there's nothing for him to hold on to. There's, so he's going to run like against Like we just talked about, he's basically running VP. against no one right now. Right, so, so whoever it is, he's going to he's gonna try and whip people up against... Yeah, that's true. Kamala that's Harris point. or Tammy Duckworth. I, uh, I like Tammy. I do. Yeah. That's like I would be. Excited. She seems like someone who would work well with Biden. Yeah. Um, and they have been like 
because he had such a personal relationship with Obama and what I, his right. advisors are like, he needs to have that same like, yeah. chemistry. It can't just be like, this is the person we want to pick because they're going to appeal to this group or whatever. Right. It has to be an organic relationship. So, um, and he has a, he has a good history with senators from Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Um, so, I guess we'll wrap up this podcast. We've been going for over an hour. I think next time we should talk a little about China and what's going on mm. there. Um, yeah. Yeah, right? There's a lot going on. Um, but do you want to make any plugs? Um, <laughs> I would like to plug... Um... Progress and Poverty by Henry George. Um, Cobra Kai on you on like the premium YouTube is a good it's series. It's called YouTube Red. YouTube Red. You have YouTube whatever. Red? No, my friend does. And oh. I watched, it's like a 20 years later or 30 years later up di- sequel series to the Karate Kid movies about the main character. It's very good and it's very funny, um, okay. but also good drama. Sorry, that's what's on my mind right now. Okay, um, and your Twitter? Yes, I, I'm at Indiana Walsh on Twitter. Um, I would like to plug the like my Twitter. Um, it's getting hot. Yeah, I we we're gonna to, turn we have to turn, turn out the air. air. Off yeah. In this room. And we're get, we're excited to turn um, it back on. Yeah. And my, um, <laughs> my body runs a little warm. A little. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just smelling my nerves. Um, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to smell that. <laughs> <laughs> so you can follow me at Every Little Thing Erin on Instagram. Also, Blank Buzz, if you want to learn more, is at blankbuzz.com. Um, also, at Blank Buzz on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening, and we will see you soon with an episode.